International Door Association's DoorCast. The IDA DoorCast will provide news and notes from the building and remodeling industry and tips and tidbits to help you improve your business. Now, here's your DoorCast host, IDA Executive Director, Mike Fisher. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the IDA DoorCast. This is a special episode. We're celebrating Garage Door Safety Month, and ironically, ICC, the International Code Council, is also celebrating Building Safety Month. ICC and IDA are working together to help improve safety for our building occupants and our homeowners and our customers. I am happy to welcome my guest today, who is Mike Wish, who's the Director of Building Code Administration and Chief Building Official for the South Central Planning and Development Commission in Louisiana. Mike Witch is also an ICC board member, so I'm going to let him fill us in more about his background and his experience. So, Mike, I want to thank you very much for coming on today to talk to us about Building Safety Month, about Garage Door Safety Month, and how your department interfaces with our members, the garage door dealers. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. So, Mike, we're going to be talking about some basic safety provisions that the code can provide. We will be specifically talking about labeling requirements for wind load. We'll talk a little bit about how your departments manage those issues, whether it's plan review or inspection, and how you and your inspectors and plans reviewers interact with the garage store industry. Before we get into that, however, let's uh, get to know you a little bit better. So I want to want to start by asking you if you could explain your role, uh, your actual day job, not your ICC board job. We'll come back to that in a minute. But tell me what actually puts the food on the, on the table. Sure. I became the building official at South Central Planning in 2007, early 2007, following uh, Hurricane Katrina. State adopted statewide building codes, and we formed a regional building code program at South Central Planning that uh, encompasses much of Southeast Louisiana, many of the parishes that surround New Orleans. So I've been there for 15 years. It's been a very successful program. And so that's what I do on, in, in my day job is run that program, make sure we're performing quality plan reviews and inspections. And our, and our sole focus for my department is building code enforcement. Thanks, Mike. That's helpful background. How many local jurisdictions or parishes are involved in this South Central Commission? We have, for, for the regional building code program, we have 11 jurisdictions that, that we do building code enforcement for. And we also have three jurisdictions outside of that region that we perform plan reviews for and also provide some, some oversight to help their building departments. Wonderful. You must have a pretty large staff, I guess. It continues to grow, yes. I know you're a volunteer with the ICC, the International Code Council Board of Directors. And as you know, I've had some interaction with ICC's leadership in the past. I know that is a daunting task. Can you fill us in a little bit on your role at ICC and how that labor of love actually landed in your lap? Sure. You know, I got involved with, with ICC soon after I, I got this job in 2007. My first annual conference was in Reno, Nevada. I was brand new, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know many people there. Uh, but fell in love with the organization, and I had a lot of interaction with their government relations department in Louisiana, who was very, very helpful to me when we first started out this program. And so from there, I got involved in the Building Official Membership Council uh, with ICC, and then that led to, to my board service, which has really been extremely gratifying. You know, ICC does so many good things, and it's a it's great to be a part of that 
I'm currently vice president of, of the board. So uh, I have a couple of years left as, as president and past president, and uh, it's been a wonderful experience. Does that mean you're going to be moving into the president of the board? Is that part of that succession plan? Yes, in September, uh, assuming the members agree, I'll, I will be president. Wonderful. Well, congratulations and condolences in advance. <laughs> Thank you. I know you didn't land out of school directly into this role. So what about your background before you got involved in code enforcement? So, yeah, in school, I have a background in, in mechanical engineering. That's what my degree is in. I worked a couple what you would consider traditional engineering jobs right out of school. Uh, but then I went into building houses, which is what I've always wanted to do uh, my entire life. So started doing that, did that for several years until I got this job with, with South Central Planning. And it was not a, a, a move that I planned to make, uh, something that just kind of, kind of happened and it's turned out to be a really good move for me. I really enjoy what I'm doing, but my home building background has certainly helped tremendously in helping me understand what's important and, and how to best do this job. I think that would be great background. Obviously, you, you've dealt with building departments as a builder, and now you're on the other side of that. So that, that obviously is invaluable experience. Before we get into some of the safety issues that we're going to talk about on the Garage Door Safety Month side of things, I want to ask you about ICC's Building Safety Month. What's the chief benefit of that program, do you think? Well, I think it shows ICC's commitment to building safety. And I think it is an opportunity to bring that subject to the forefront, not only our, our constituents that are out there, but as well as elected officials to understand the importance of what we do on a, on a daily basis, what ICC does on a daily basis, and what their members do on a daily basis. Well, I'm sold on the value of Building Safety Month to raise awareness, not just to code officials and regulators and enforcement, but also to builders and designers and the general public. So I think ICC has done a great job. In fact, that is why I recommended that IDA partner with ICC so that our Garage Door Safety Month would coincide with Building Safety Month. I think the fact that you're here to talk to our listeners is just another example of how that partnership can work. So I do wanna thank you for coming on uh, in this role, but I, I also know that your experience as a builder is gonna, gonna help us today with our discussions. The question next is, when you were a builder, from what I heard you say, you, you were building during Katrina, before and after Katrina. What lessons did you learn about construction and code requirements, code provisions from Katrina, and, and specifically about garage doors? Great question. Where I was building in the area that I was building, there was no real building code enforcement, as there was no requirement by the, by the state that, that they do that. Uh, so I was, as a builder, uh, I did have code books. I did read them and tried to make sure that I was building according to the code. So structurally, you know, we felt we were building some really structurally sound homes. However, one of, the, one of the biggest things that I found out later that we were missing was rated garage doors. And it became evident, not only with Katrina, but in later Storms and Gustav, which was in 2008, uh, one of the, the main initial failure points you would find in homes after going through these storms was the garage doors. So what we learned was no matter how well we framed that house, no matter how well 
we we do everything in that house structurally. If the garage door is not rated properly, it when it can and will fail, which will cause other elements that were built correctly to also fail. FEMA would agree with you. And, and in fact, the Hurricane Andrew report issued by FEMA, they have what they call MAT reports. Those are mitigation assessment teams that actually go out into the field. The teams go out and, and perform inspections of, of damaged buildings after a storm to try to see what they can learn from that. And as far back as this report in 92, FEMA said that the damage of a garage door could lead to a breach of that opening. And that can lead to pressurization of the building and that can lead to damage or complete blow off of a roof system. And once that happens, you can kiss the building goodbye. That obviously is an important issue for building safety, but also for life safety for the occupants. And we have talked to some of our members who are in your area in Louisiana, who went through some of the recent storms you've dealt with, who have told us their story of sheltering in place during a hurricane event and how fearful they were of what could come in terms of damage to the home and then, and then loss of uh, property, but also their own likelihood of being injured or, or worse. So those hit close to home in your area, I know, but not just uh, not just in Louisiana. This is a, an issue that it really is across the Gulf Coast. Absolutely. And, uh, and I can tell you, I, just going through Hurricane Ida last year, uh, I'm fortunate. I, I live in a, in a home that was built just two years ago that was built to current codes and um, came through the storm, although we, it was the most fierce storm I've ever been through, came through the storm without any damage. And it was still very uncomfortable riding that storm out in a house that was, was holding up well. So I can only imagine one that's being torn apart. I know Laura was a specific problem. In fact, one of our members uh, who has a pretty interesting sense of humor uh, was describing Laura coming through Louisiana and she, like it or not, used this phrase. She said, Laura was a very bad girl. And <laughs> she, yeah, she had a really interesting sense of humor about it, but she was, she was at the point where she was just shrugging her shoulders and saying, we have to go down with our lives. But she and her family were very much impacted by that. And, uh, and I know that they, jumped into action to help their neighbors and, and help improve the infrastructure on the ground and in Southern Louisiana. But the reality is that uh, so much happens when a storm comes through that every building that we can keep intact by making sure that the envelope is protected from damage from high winds, it's just that much less that has to be done in the post-storm cleanup. So it's, it's not just about saving a specific building. It's about also being a part of the community and helping to preserve those, those, uh, helping to preserve that infrastructure as the best we can. Absolutely. So Mike, before we dig in and start talking about codes, which version of the international codes are in effect in the region that you're serving? Uh, currently throughout Louisiana, we are in the 2015 I codes. The 2021 codes have been under review for the last several months. That review has just been completed. Uh, it's expected that those codes will be officially adopted and implemented on January 1 of 2023. Well, that is really good to hear, especially since I worked on public comments that led to the inclusion in the 2021 codes of some labeling requirements. So we actually have been able to, to modify the requirements for wind for your area by adding in a labeling requirement. So it's really two parts to this, or I should say two steps in the process. 
the 2021 ICOs that you're talking about adapting now in your process will include a requirement that the garage door shall be labeled with a permanent label, which doesn't mean that it's made out of metal, but a permanent label is one that, that if you try to remove it, cannot be reattached. So that prevents people from taking a label from one product and applying it on something else. So the requirement in the code, which is for those of you keeping score at home is in section R609.4.1 of the International Residential Code. It says garage door shall be labeled with a permanent label provided by the manufacturer. Now that means that label has to be installed in the factory and it should show up in the warehouse with that information on it. So what's gonna go on the label? The name of the manufacturer, the model number of the door, the positive and negative design pressure ratings, what we sometimes call a DP ratings, standing for design pressure. Notice it doesn't say miles per hour because that's not how we approve doors. It also requires that the test standard that's used for the test as well as the drawing reference number has to be part of that label. So all of that information now should be coming in your area, should be on the, on the door from the factory. And we're hopeful that other jurisdictions around the country will see this and start looking for that label, whether they're in South Florida, Louisiana, California, or Montana. If they adopt this code, this language is coming in with it. So do you see having that requirement in, in place as helpful to, to your departments to make sure the manufacturers understand the requirement to have those labels provided at the factory? Absolutely. It, it is vital information that we need to have during the inspection process. Uh, so the fact that it's required to be on there will certainly make our jobs easier when we're inspecting in the field. That is good to hear. We are now in, as you know, the 2024 ICC co-development cycle. I had two proposals that I submitted on behalf of IDA that were approved by the committee will now be subject to the public comment period, although they're not, I don't believe, going to draw too much opposition. But the two proposals I submitted were essentially the same type of language. One is for garage doors, the other is for openers, garage door openers. And they essentially require the same thing, and that is that installation of those products, garage doors and openers, have to be performed in accordance with the installation instructions that are provided by the manufacturer. So that may not seem like a big deal, but we think it's really important to educate code officials and building inspectors that the code is now clear. You have your design requirements of how you calculate the design pressures or what standards you use to test garage door openers. Then you have the labeling requirement for garage doors. And by the way, there's a requirement for labeling for the garage door openers as well. That's already in the code. And then now we're wrapping up that nice package for you by requiring the installation be conducted in accordance with those instructions. So we're happy to see that moving forward through the ICC process. Hopefully, knock on wood, it'll make it through the public comment process and be part of that 2024 code. Probably the biggest benefit of this when it goes through, it's it will make it so much easier for us to work on education materials for local building departments. So have you had a chance to look at any of that or, or thought about that? I think it's a good change. It's something as code officials we should have been doing anyway. Anytime those installation requirements are not prescriptive in the code, we should be referring to installation instructions. Uh, but this makes it very clear uh, and, and training, as you, as you mentioned, is, is vital. And that's why I think it's good that it's in there because while I think it's second nature that we would go to the installation instructions, that's not always the case if you have maybe someone that's a, that's a new building official or or someone that just hasn't had the, the, the opportunity to have the same type of training that 
that I and my staff have had in the past. So making it explicit in the code, I think, is, is always good. I'm glad to hear you agree. Hopefully we'll make it through the process and that will help us ramp up our educational efforts and, and help improve enforcement and compliance. While you were talking about that, I kind of got the feeling that you were already looking for some of this information, even though there's no requirement currently in the code for labeling. So we'll talk about the labeling in a minute, but let's, let's step back for a minute to your plan review process and understand that we're going to talk about new construction and replacement market. We can kind of talk about those together as we go through. I may have some additional questions for you, but how do you handle the compliance for wind loads for garage doors for new construction? Let's talk about plan review. How does that work? Sure. When we, when we receive a application with a new set of plans, one of the things that we do require is the, the DP ratings uh, that are going to be for the garage door as well as windows and other doors that are in there with the garage door for sure. We compare that to what the code requires to make sure what is being suggested is compliant with, with where that particular home is being built. We do require that the installation instructions and drawings be on site at the time of inspection. So if you get a submittal and there's no design pressure rating on the drawings, what happens then? Typically, they'll get a comment letter back from us telling us, telling them that that either needs to be notated on the plans or we need, it, or we need something directly from whoever their garage door supplier is going to be, which is typically documentation that's provided from the manufacturer, but we need something to verify that what they plan to put in meets the minimum code requirements uh, because we really, it, it's really not helpful to anyone when we get out there for an inspection and the wrong door has been installed. So in effect, you can help save them trouble later by getting an earlier look at what they're planning to provide. Absolutely. How does the inspection process work, whether it's new construction or or a door replacement? Right. When it's new construction, typically the inspection of that door is part of another inspection where we're inspecting more components of, of the house, but the inspector will uh, certainly look at the, the jam installation. We'll look to make sure the door itself and the tracks and so forth are installed according to the manufacturer's installation instructions. Uh, we will check to see that that door does indeed have the design pressure ratings that was submitted for uh, plan review. So we, we make sure all those requirements have, have been met when we do those inspections. What happens if something is not exactly as planned? If it's not, if it's not as planned, then typically that inspection will get rejected and uh, they will we, they will have to bring whatever is, is wrong into compliance, either with the installation instructions or, unfortunately, if they installed the wrong door, they'll have to replace the, the door itself. So that, that's typically what happens when there's issues. For new construction, there's no permit required by the door dealer because those permits are part of the general building permit for the entire construction. For a garage door replacement, do your departments require building permits? Yes. Building permits are required for any sort of structural renovation, which replacing your garage door is a structural component. Uh, so a building permit would be required. I love that you said that out loud. I'll be sharing this IDA doorcast with my local building department to make them understand that garage doors are structural. On the permit issue, how much do you charge typically? I know you have a lot of different departments that you 
that you oversee, but what's a typical permit fee for a garage door replacement? It typically for a garage door replacement, that's going to be our smallest uh, renovation permit. So usually that permit cost is just $25. We know that that is very inexpensive, but we want to encourage people to get the permit so that we can make sure that the money they're spending to do this, that they're, they're spending it on the right product in the right installation. And, um, you know, if, if the fee is too high, it, it may entice some people to try and do it without a permit, which in, in the end does not benefit them. So we, we try to keep that cost very low. Well, it doesn't benefit them, but it also could be a problem for the building owner, the homeowner, if they're not getting what they thought they were paying for, right? Absolutely. And that's, that's who we're trying to protect at the, at the end of the day is make sure that that improvement that they're making to their home is truly an improvement. All right. So let's assume that there was a error in the installation and the installer forgot to install all of the track brackets. So maybe there's a missing track bracket that your inspector caught. What happens then on that inspection? Is, is there another fee involved with that? How does that work? For this type of permit, it comes with two inspections. So that initial inspection would be rejected and they would be required to call for a re-inspection once that uh, issue has been corrected. Um, if they require more than two inspections, well, then they would have to pay a re-inspection fee. But hopefully with something like a garage door installation, two inspections is plenty. I would hope so. Do you have different requirements for a new versus replacement? Are there additional things you look at in a replacement door? Perhaps looking at what the existing jams are or anything like that? Yeah, we certainly, we look at that to make sure that, you know, because sometimes you have homes that were, were built many, many years ago that don't meet today's requirements. So we certainly are going to look for the jams. The inspection is very similar to an, um, a new construction inspection. We, we want, the, one of the philosophies we have is when you're doing a renovation, no matter how small it may be, uh, we want that renovation to meet at least that portion, minimum code requirements of today with the, the thought process being, as you work your way through that home, renovating different aspects of that home, eventually the bulk of that home will, will be up to today's standards. Uh, so we are pretty, pretty strict about that and making sure that we get it as close as we can to compliance with today's standards. So Mike, when your inspector goes out, what are they working from? Are they working from just their tribal knowledge or their experience? Or do they actually have a checklist that they use? How does that work for, for your field inspectors? We do on new construction. Most all of our inspections do have checklists associated with them. Um, and in the, in, embedded in that checklist would be the things we look for on garage doors. On replacement doors, that is something that uh, we don't have a checklist so they are relying on their knowledge that they've gained through the years and, and what they're normally used to checking for on new construction. But I can tell you, as a result of this conversation, it's certainly a good idea that we might want to uh, include checklists for these replacement doors. I'm a big believer in checklists. As, as an inspector out in the field, there's, it's not unusual to have many distractions that are going on, either with the, the contractor, the homeowner, could be a dog, could be anything, and checklists just really help you refocus on what you're trying to do and make sure you don't miss anything you shouldn't have missed. Well, to that point, I'm happy to, to tell you that one of our partners at Garage Door Safety Month is the Door and Access Systems Manufacturers Association. 
And they had developed an entire library of what they call technical data sheets. TDS is our shorthand for that. And they are, uh, they cover a wide variety of topics, some of which are intended for installers. Some of them are intended for regulators and, and specifiers. They have several checklists that I think directly relate to this. One of them is their TDS 151. And that is titled General Code Inspection Guidelines for Sectional Garage Doors. They have a companion document for that, which is TDS number 181. And TDS 181 is specifically related to code inspection guidelines, focusing on the wind load requirements for that to work. So I think that this is something that might be a benefit to your area. And I'm going to talk to DASMA. Maybe there's a way for us to kind of combine these into, into one checklist that could be used in your area. It would look not just the wind load provisions, but at some of the other requirements and some of the typical things that an inspector might notice on the uh, inspection side. Personally, I think that would be helpful for your department to have that kind of a document. What's your, what's your thought on that? Absolutely. I, I think it would be extremely helpful. And, you know, it's something that we would also share with our, with our contractors as we do our other checklists. Uh, you know, the, the goal is that they understand what it is that we're looking for and Something like the checklist you just referred to would certainly make it clear the items that we would be inspecting for when we're, when we're there. So that kind of a dialogue with the contractors is another benefit of having these kind of checklists because then the contractors you're dealing with will understand what your requirements are and what you're going to be looking for. That sounds to me like that would really streamline the process and probably eliminate the need for a lot of those extra inspections. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's one of the things I think that we've tried to do from the beginning that my home building background helped with was trying to be more of a, of a partner and, and, a, and a consultant on these jobs than, than the police. So sharing as much information as we possibly can with the people that are in the field actually doing the work that we're performing inspections for, I think is important. So let me get this straight. You are from the government and you are here to help. We, we certainly try to. <laughs> uh, I think that's great. And I can tell you from personal experience, when you have a good relationship with the building department, it makes your job a lot easier as an installing contractor. And personally, I'm a huge advocate for all of our members. They should know all of the code officials in their area. Whatever area you're serving, you should get to know your building department, whether you're dealing with new construction, residential, replacement doors, or on commercial projects even. I think there's a huge benefit for that. And for our members that are involved in the fire door market, knowing the fire marshal and, and what provisions and checklists and requirements they look for, I think is also helpful. So as I said, I, I think this is great. And I'm glad to hear that you're taking such a proactive stance on this. We're um, starting to wrap up here a little bit, but I would be remiss if we didn't spend a few minutes to talk about garage door openers. Now, the good news about garage door openers, I think, is that because of the involvement of the in the past because of the involvement of the US CPSC, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, and partnerships with groups like Underwriters Laboratory, now called UL, there actually are some pretty robust provisions and safety requirements for garage door openers. So a lot of that work on safety in terms of how that unit is, is manufactured and what its expectations for have been dealt with by the manufacturers. And they've done a fantastic job of developing products that if they're installed properly, will provide a safe installation for homeowners and building occupants. But there are some things I think that typical inspectors can look for in, in terms of how the garage door opener is installed. Anything you wanna share from your 
perspective and how your department, what things that they might catch on an opener installation? Yeah, certainly you know, we're looking to make sure that the, the receptacle that the garage door opener is going to plug into and the ceiling is installed and, and is there so that there's no extension cords or anything like that. We do look at to make sure the low voltage wiring is there for the photo eyes. Mike, the industry publishes a lot of information about how you test the safety provisions for garage door openers. One of those could be adding in some additional opportunity for the building inspector to, to do a test of the garage door opener while the door is being operated, just to check and make sure that it reverses as it's supposed to and that it, that it, that it functions as it's intended to. Is that something your departments would consider looking at in the future? You know, Mike, I think we will. I think it's something that we could put some more focus on and uh, it's something that would not take a lot of time uh, to make sure that these safety features are functioning as they should be. You know, historically, I think they've done a really good job of, of functioning as they should. I think it would be worth our time and effort to, to spend a few minutes testing it for sure. Mike, I appreciate your perspective on the opener safety. I think that's an important part of garage door safety month. And obviously we don't want to, we don't want to ignore that as we're talking about all the important wind load provisions that are in effect in your area. So I look forward to working with you in the future to see how we can help your area and maybe provide some additional resource documents to help you educate your staff on what role they can play to help improve safety. So I want to thank you again for, for coming on today to our idea doorcast. As I said earlier, this is really I think it's very important. This is the second year that ICC has partnered with IDA and DASMA, our partner at Garage Door Safety Month, so that we could promote Building Safety Month and Garage Door Safety Month together. We believe that helps amplify the messaging we're trying to get out there to the world at large, including homeowners and the general public. So the fact that you took time from your schedule today to come and join us for this doorcast, I think is great. And again, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experience. And I think our listeners will really enjoy hearing from you. Mike, thank you very much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I appreciate you guys' focus on garage door safety and, uh, and the structural uh, importance of garage doors. Thanks again. So our guest today has been Mike Witch. He is the Director of Building Code Administration and the Chief Building Official for South Central Planning and Development Commission. And he's based in Southern Louisiana. Mike is also an ICC Board of Director member, which helps illustrate our commitment to collaboration so that IDA and DASMA can partner with ICC on Building Safety Month and Garage Door Safety Month. So once again, Mike, thank you for coming on. And this is Mike Fisher, Executive Director, signing off from the Winding Bar Cafe. Have a great day, everybody. To our listeners, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you enjoyed today's IDA Doorcast, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the IDA DoorCast. Be sure to catch our next episode. For more information about IDA, visit doors.org. See you next time.